Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And for a channel like ours, there can be no bigger, no better story at the intersection of business, law, video games, technology, and more than the just under $70 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft. Now, of course, we refer to it as an acquisition because definitive deal documents have been entered into. But as we talked about yesterday in actually analyzing what's happening here, this deal won't close for some time. And because of that, there are a lot of different angles, a lot of different viewpoints that we can take a look at this massive, stunning, industry-changing transaction. And I'm going to cover a number of them here on this channel. Now, if there's anything that you, as a viewer of Virtual Legality, a listener of the podcast, would like covered that I haven't mentioned or haven't looked at as of yet, please leave a comment to the video. I'd love to hear from you as to what angles you'd like to see this covered from. But for right now, two things jumped out at me when I looked at these documents, especially the statements from Microsoft and how they relate to one of the more problematic individuals and characters in this entire Activision saga that's been going on for getting close to a year now. And that is, of course, CEO Bobby Kotick, which, as we talked about yesterday, was called out specifically in the Newswire release that Microsoft made in a manner that wasn't strictly necessary. Here's the paragraph from yesterday's statement. Bobby Kotick will continue to serve as CEO of Activision Blizzard, and he and his team will maintain their focus on driving efforts to further strengthen the company's culture and accelerate business growth. Once the deal closes, the Activision Blizzard business will report to Phil Spencer, CEO Microsoft Gaming, a new title and new organization at Microsoft designed around all these various acquisitions and huge publisher deals they've entered into in just the last few years. But the reason I called it out is that Bobby Kotick is persona non grata in video gaming and has been for a number of months. It was only in November when the Wall Street Journal's bombshell article claimed that Bobby Kotick knew of all the issues that were raised at Activision, that they were being sued over either by the EEOC at the federal level or the Department of Fair Employment and Housing at the state of California level. And this article from the Wall Street Journal drove down the stock price at Activision Blizzard even further than it had already been. So looking at this statement, it was a little bit odd to call out. As I mentioned in yesterday's video, Bobby Kotick in this configuration doesn't have much of a role at the new Microsoft with Activision Blizzard operating under it. It's normal for founder-led companies, for CEOs of a certain size and power to have a transition package done for them that allows them to continue to serve the company and transition leadership from what it was for 30 years over to what it will be under a new acquirer here, Microsoft. But it's a little bit unusual to call that specifically out in a statement like this because it doesn't really matter to the value proposition. And so one of the things I posited here was that this was a request by Bobby and Activision Blizzard. Bobby Kotick clearly in control of his board of directors as we saw when they backed him up, even with the stalling stock price, all the accusations and the Wall Street Journal article from November would have had the cachet to demand this kind of coverage in the statement because otherwise it doesn't make any sense from Microsoft's perspective. This is only bad. 
if you don't want Bobby Kotick to be associated with your brand, you don't mention that he'll continue to serve as CEO. And that's when things got a little bit weirder. So late last night, the Wall Street Journal, who of course published that article in late November of last year, made an article talking about the behind the scenes of this deal. And this is going to be the primary article we're going to look at in this video because it identified two things that we talked about yesterday and that I think are very, very important. And that's Bobby, Bobby Kotick, his ego, what was driving him to do this transaction, what role he had in driving that transaction. And then the second part being Microsoft. I, of course, put in the thumbnail here the question, did Microsoft play dirty? Because a lot of folks are asking me that question either in social media or otherwise. The function of that being that, as I mentioned yesterday, the the share price being offered here of $95 per share matches up pretty nicely with what Activision was valued at in terms of its assets in early 2021. In fact, we have prices here above $100, but overall, it's in that mid-90s range until you get the troubles in the summer. You get the California lawsuit. You get EEOC releases. You get SEC leaks. You get the bombshell in November about Bobby Kotick, and the price falls into the $50 level and the $60 level, allowing an acquirer with cash on hand like Microsoft to pop in at ostensibly a 45% premium to the pricing here, but that if they had paid a 45% premium on the asset value before these cultural questions popped up, you'd be looking at a $100 billion deal. So Wall Street Journal here in this article is going to call this a bet by Microsoft. They're going to talk about how this isn't the way Microsoft normally operates, that Activision Blizzard is beleaguered, that Bobby Kotick is under attack, that there's all these liabilities and questions. And one thing that jumps out immediately is that it's not a bet at all, right? If you can get a $30 billion discount on an asset that has value to you, not just for content in video games, but to sell your recurring revenue service, to sell your network services that are allowing for cloud gaming, to try to position your company in a fashion that allows you to take over those markets, which is an antitrust question as we discussed yesterday, then you do it. And for $30 billion in discount, you can take on a lot of liabilities. You can take on a lot of quote unquote risk because that price was low enough to make the deal make sense. But part of the story is that Microsoft was helping that stock price stay low. And we're going to talk about that as well. So looking at this Wall Street Journal article, it says Activision Blizzard's workplace problems spurred $75 billion Microsoft deal. And I'm not sure where they're getting that number. Every other report, including Microsoft's own, places that it's at the high 60 billions, a little bit under 70 billion. But there's a different ways to do math. They might be including certain cash receipts and things that I'm not familiar with. Really unimportant here. It's about a $70 billion acquisition. And Wall Street Journal does make clear that they are a part of this story. They start out by saying a California regulatory agency sued Activision in July, alleging widespread sexual harassment and pay discrimination, which was the bulk of this document. Then a Wall Street Journal article in November reported that longtime chief executive Bobby Kotick knew about allegations of employee misconduct across Activision that he didn't brief the board on, adding to pressure on the company and its stock. 
That's why, of course, the headline here was Bobby Kotick knew. And Bobby Kotick and the spokespeople for Activision denied all of this from the Wall Street Journal. And the board actually issued a statement saying, hey, we were properly communicated with by Bobby Kotick. The point of the article wasn't really on this point that he wasn't sharing things with the board, but just to point out that Bobby had direct reports that would have told him about these various things. As of November of last year, then, the Wall Street Journal was reporting that that provided the catalyst for Microsoft's gaming head, Phil Spencer, to approach Mr. Kotick about a takeover soon after. So part of this video is also to talk about the timeline here, at least as the Wall Street Journal reports it, which suggests that this deal came together only after the Wall Street Journal reported Bobby Kotick's knowledge in mid to late November of last year. So Microsoft says, hey, stock price is depressed. Bobby Kotick's on the outs. Everything looks bad. We've got a lot of cash on hand. And they get this deal together in a matter of months. Keeping in mind, however, as we'll talk about is part of this video, that Phil Spencer and Xbox and Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo and others were being asked questions about their relationship with Activision Blizzard throughout this entire time. Deal-hungry Microsoft, as described by the Wall Street Journal, had long been interested in Activision and had discussed a potential acquisition in the past, some of those people said, but Mr. Kotick was cool to the idea until Microsoft offered him a graceful exit. So the story the Wall Street Journal is painting here, and we have to take it with a grain of salt because everything here is, according to people familiar with the matter, those people said, we'll get a number of other descriptors for anonymous sources that either are connected or not to the board or Bobby Kotick or others, is that Bobby Kotick was trapped. He had his back against the wall. He didn't know how to necessarily get out of all this. The board of directors may mutiny on him. And Microsoft comes swinging in with a 45% premium for what the stock price was after all of the troubles in 2021 that reflected a value of the company, give or take the same as it had been in the market before all those things came out, and also offered Mr. Kotick the ability to leave with a bunch of money in his pocket and not looking like he was otherwise ousted in a board or shareholder coup. If you've got a strong ego, if you've got a large opinion of yourself, that can be very attractive. But it is, of course, anonymously sourced narrative provided by the Wall Street Journal. So we have to take it with the same grain of salt we do in every other context, even if it makes intuitive sense to us on the outside. And they continue with this story. Some of Activision's directors who had stood by Mr. Kotick were individually beginning to get anxious. Some directors didn't believe shareholders and employees would be comfortable without a major change, but weren't willing to try to oust Mr. Kotick. That's what a management-controlled board looks like. He is expected to depart the company after the deal closes, the people said. And these are people, as described by the Wall Street Journal, as familiar with the board. And when I saw this come out, that's where question marks really started popping up. Because if Mr. Kotick intends to leave immediately after the close of the transaction, there's very little reason to include this here at all because Bobby Kotick will continue to serve as CEO is a pound of flesh extracted from Microsoft. That doesn't look good for Microsoft based on everything that had come out. Bobby Kotick, the stories in the Wall Street Journal and otherwise were part of the reason that Activision's share price was depressed. So Microsoft including this here is a give to Activision, a give to Bobby Kotick in particular, and it doesn't make a ton of sense if he intends to leave immediately after the deal closes. So put a pin in that, keep that as a potential contradiction, because as we see in this article, 
Bobby Kotick and his spokespeople in Activision actually deny that that's the timeline we're looking at. Now, it's important to also note that denial of immediately after closing, leaving the company's environs, doesn't preclude you from leaving six months hence, leaving 12 months after the closing, or even two years. There is no question in my mind that Bobby Kotick, CEO of Giant Publisher, doesn't fit in under what Microsoft is likely to do with Activision Blizzard, or even what they've said they're going to do, which is to have Activision Blizzard report directly to Phil Spencer, and they've reorganized their gaming division to put that hierarchy in place. So I have no doubt that Bobby Kotick is going to leave sometime shortly in the long scheme of things after closing. But if he's intending to leave as a part of that closing, it's not at all clear in the Microsoft statement, and I do have my doubts there. Staking so much on a company facing investigations, internal and external unrest, and unknown liabilities is highly unusual and, as described by the Wall Street Journal, a big risk for Microsoft. And here I just flatly disagree. Microsoft is looking at this transaction as something that is potentially being sold in a fire sale. That you've got a CEO whose back is against the wall that doesn't want to be ousted and mutineers potentially at the board level and the shareholder level and a deal price that you can offer that looks like a big premium that is the same or less than the market price that the company was selling for in the very same calendar year, then frankly, for that kind of discount, as I said at the top of this video, you can take on a lot of potential liability. And I'm probably going to do a video on the fact that Activision's liabilities don't go anywhere. That's another question that a number of you have asked of me. And I keep mentioning it in one-off sentences, but Microsoft is buying all the assets of Activision, absolutely, but also all of the liabilities. And there are ways to draft your deal documentation to have contingencies that adjust the share price, do other things if those liabilities come out hotter than they otherwise look like they're going to right now. But even if we imagine a kind of worst case scenario, we just saw Riot Games settle with the state of California and their putative class action for about $100 million. Even if we assume that it's five times that amount for Activision, and there's no real reason to assume that, then half a billion dollars doesn't even change the metric here for Microsoft operating in this space. They've got PR issues to handle, but Microsoft should be able to cleanse some of the cultural issues solely by the means of changing the boss and moving the people at Activision Blizzard to a new hierarchy under Phil Spencer. So even if they take a $500 million hit, they're still getting that discount and they're still buying Activision at a very low price compared to what it was valued at only eight months before this transaction was actually announced. Now, part of the story there, of course, is that the shareholders might not be thrilled with that. The shareholders might look at this and say, hey, we have Call of Duty, we have World of Warcraft, we have all these assets, we were valued at over $100 a share within the last calendar year. I feel like we're getting taken advantage of a little bit. And for deals of this size and of this scope with this rapidity at the tail end, where at the dip, Microsoft jumps in and says, hey, we'll buy you. You can have shareholder revolts. You can have moves by the shareholders to say something nefarious was done here. The problem for those shareholders will be, as we saw in the announcement yesterday, that the shareholders are being asked to approve the deal, which is normal in a transaction of this type. And if the shareholders as a group do approve that deal, then that's cleansing for most of the legal problems that a Microsoft could have with this kind of stuff. Hey, 
$95 you think is unfair. That's fine. We might have a fight with you, but the shareholders on the whole felt that $95 was fair. And so you have a limited leg to stand on as a legal matter. Doesn't mean it's impossible to win those kinds of lawsuits, especially if you can show that Microsoft was doing some bad things to oppress the stock price and otherwise hurt this in order to make money and convince the shareholders to go with them in a deal of this type. But it does make it harder when you have that cleansing action. The other thing the Wall Street Journal reports here is that Mr. Kotick was fundamental to this deal. They describe it as he pushed to make the deal happen. Microsoft also said as part of the deal, and I highlighted this just because it was funny to me yesterday, it continues to be funny to me today, that this provides opportunities to expand into the virtual world known as the metaverse. And everybody looks at it and says, well, Activision Blizzard doesn't do anything metaverse adjacent, doesn't really have anything related to that. And as I said yesterday, this is just investors. This is just companies talking to investors with buzzwords that investors like to hear so that they know the company is interested in the big potential game-changing technology of the day. But ultimately, Activision Blizzard wasn't really purchased for anything related to the metaverse that I can see. Now, the Wall Street Journal does say that all of this was denied. Activision's board said in a written statement provided by the company's spokeswoman that the board didn't consider Mr. Kotick's status in unanimously approving the Microsoft transaction. The spokeswoman, Helene Klasky, disputed the journal's timeline of the deal and said the details of Mr. Kotick's status after the deal's close haven't been decided while Microsoft declined to comment. Now, again, we've got grains of salt everywhere here, Wall Street Journal, Activision, Microsoft, but it's entirely possible for Bobby Kotick's plan and Microsoft's handshake deal kind of plan for him to leave pretty close to after the closing takes place with his 400 plus million dollars that he'll get from selling his shares at $95 a share and that that's kind of behind the scenes, even though the deal documents themselves will say he's CEO, might have a transition services component as well. It is, of course, also possible in the opposite direction, where the Wall Street Journal and the people talking about this don't know what they're talking about, and that Microsoft has actually offered to give Bobby Kotick an even softer landing with a longer-term deal as what amounts to a placeholder CEO within a bigger organization where, frankly, he doesn't have a lot of power or control over what Activision Blizzard does after the transaction. Either way, it is important to note that Activision's board and the spokesperson for Activision is denying everything that the Wall Street Journal says here about timelines and the way the deal was done. Now, here's where it gets a little bit trickier. Mr. Spencer told Microsoft employees in November that the software giant was evaluating its relationship with Activision in the wake of the journal's reporting on Mr. Kotick's handling of the sexual misconduct allegations. Sony Group PlayStation Unit also asked Activision how it planned to address sexual misconduct issues, all of which comes to us by virtue of leaked emails, right? And one of the things that's important about this to note is that Microsoft's emails got leaked very early on in this, that Phil Spencer talking to his employees, assuaging their fears, saying Microsoft would have to evaluate its relationship with Activision Blizzard came very early after the Bobby Kotick bombshell article in the Wall Street Journal came out. And the Wall Street Journal is now reporting that at that very same time, Phil Spencer was approaching Activision to potentially acquire them. So you've got a company in Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo all basically encouraging each other, responding ostensibly to their employees' concerns about this issue, acting in the market to depress the stock price and the value of Activision Blizzard. That's the effect of major business partners saying, hey, 
we're going to have to consider how this relationship looks when that business partner is fundamentally needy of access to your consoles, to your frameworks in order to make money themselves. So part of this story is in fact that Phil Spencer and Xbox went out there and was massaging the market regardless of how you feel about this transaction on the whole. Asked about Activision's workplace issues in an interview Tuesday, Mr. Spencer said, we see the progress that they're making that was pretty fundamental to us deciding to go forward here. But one could be forgiven for looking at other statements from Phil Spencer made not even two weeks ago that brought this to the fore again and again. Here's a Kotaku article talking about a New York Times interview, I believe, where he says, I'm not interested in virtue shaming Activision here. As of January 10th, 2022, the deal is already very close to finishing up, to being solidified. And you've got Phil Spencer continuing to go out with, I'm saddened and sickened when I hear about workplace environments that cause such distress and destruction of individuals and teams. Remembering, of course, that part of this story is that they very much need the price to look like this if $95 is going to look like something that the shareholders might otherwise agree to. And continuing here, you see that the investor class isn't so sure about this deal being consummated at all. I chalk that up to potential regulatory concerns, which I think are existent, despite what you might be hearing from other journalists and other folks on social media. We'll talk about that in more detail in another video. But it can also be a function of looking at this and saying, I'm not sure the shareholders are going to approve this transaction at $95 a share. They could look at it and say, hey, look, we could still get rid of Bobby Kotick. We don't have to sell at the $95 level in order to cleanse the culture at Activision Blizzard. We can do these various things ourselves. Is a $95 per share sales price legitimate for the assets we've got control of when in February of last year it was $103? You could have a shareholder revolt on even approval of the transaction here, which is the other kind of thing that you're seeing in terms of this discount here, selling at $82 for what's ostensibly a $95 valuable asset. So you've got all these questions. You've got Xbox going out there with these statements. And then it's important to note, as I also mentioned yesterday, I mentioned in comments that people made in yesterday's video, that Microsoft is not an innocent babe in the woods here. As the Wall Street Journal reports, Microsoft, which has faced pressure from shareholders over its own handling of workplace issues, pledged last week to be more transparent in its handling of sexual harassment allegations and would review its policies, which is great. We want everybody to be in a business environment that they're happy in, that they're respected in, but it's also a little bit disingenuous to frame Microsoft's actions in this way. As we talked about in one of our update videos of Activision Under Fire entitled So Many Updates, Microsoft was forced into this position, right? If you look at what was actually a shareholder proposal from an investor there's Arjuna Capital, they were asked to do more of this reporting. And in the annual meeting, it was approved by the shareholders. Microsoft already shares with employees annual data on the volume of sexual harassment concerns, says they, raised in the results of harassment investigations and has adopted plans to begin annual public reporting. But this was a shareholder propo proposal that is forcing them to do these various things. So actually chalking it up to, hey, Microsoft's agreed to make better efforts is fine. And Microsoft is undoubtedly a bigger company with more hierarchical organization that can better handle all of these issues than a lot of the things we're seeing at video game companies across the industry now. But we also shouldn't pretend that Microsoft doesn't have its own baggage and its own history 
and its own shareholder revolts that are looking at the company and saying, you aren't doing enough. Wall Street Journal also mentions, as part of the due diligence process, Microsoft and its advisors reviewed the allegations Activision is facing and met with management to understand them as well as the processes put in place to ensure future issues are handled differently. This really isn't at all surprising. Due diligence is the process by which a company that's acquiring another company goes forward, talks to management, says, hey, if we're going to buy you at this price, how big is this liability? How bad is this problem? What do we have to worry about? Where are the skeletons in the closet? What do our lawyers have to draft in the agreement to make sure that if this winds up being 25 times bigger than we thought, that there is some recompense and we don't get left holding the bag? Now, that's not entirely able to be prevented if you purchase a company like Activision, but you can write your deal documents to say, hey, if there are big problems, there's going to be a holdback. There's going to be an escrow. There's going to be other things that protect us as the acquirer. Finally, the Wall Street Journal notes what we've been noting this entire time, that Microsoft is very advantageously positioned and looked at this as buying low. That was the name of the video we did yesterday. Wall Street Journal says the tech giant saw another opening in late November when Activision was facing an uprising from employees, investors, and business partners. Activision's share price had fallen nearly 30% since California regulators sued, alleging sexual harassment and gender pay disparity at the company. Here, the Wall Street Journal probably doesn't give itself enough credit as part of the story here because that is true. It fell that far after the, the lawsuit, but a lot of the fall was related specifically to that Wall Street Journal article about Bobby Kotick. And here they know what we noted yesterday, which is so, so important to this story on the whole. Even though the deal carries a 45% premium, it values Activision at around its level before the California lawsuit. That that 45% premium, and you always have to pay a premium in order to get shareholders to approve this, because otherwise they could just sell into the open market and make the same amount of money and not have to deal with all of this stuff. You pay that premium in order to incentivize the shareholders to agree to sell the entirety of the company, that that 45% premium reveals a $100 billion deal if it's at the pricing of the assets that happened before all this went down. Here they reference the fact that Sony was reevaluating their relationship with the company as well. All of this kind of spurred by Phil Spencer and Microsoft and their communications and the email that got leaked to the various outlets in November as they were negotiating a purchase of the company. And also the Wall Street Journal notes that in recent weeks, some directors had come to the realization that the public backlash may continue and that Mr. Kotick may be forced to resign. The final kind of bombshell that the Wall Street Journal places in its last paragraph here, which I have to be honest, I read as fundamentally they're not believing that the anonymous sources here are fully on the up and up. This is, you bury this in the article and it is so wild. It's almost from HBO's succession show or something else says that Mr. Kotick has been eager to change the public narrative about the company. And in recent weeks has suggested that Activision Blizzard make some kind of acquisition. Okay. What kind? Including of gaming trade publications like Kotaku and PC Gamer according to people familiar with him. The Activision spokeswoman, Ms. Klasky, disputed that Mr. Kotick wanted to make the acquisitions and a spokesman for Geo Media, the parent company of Kotaku, declined to comment, as did PC Gamer. Now, this is just dropped at the end of this article. A lot of gaming outlets, a lot of journalistic outlets have picked this up. I will say it wouldn't surprise me if a CEO that has been described like Mr. Kotick and with the control that he has over the board would have thrown this out into the air. What if we just bought the people that are being mean to us online like Kotaku? But that would surprise me a lot if it proceeded any 
further than that kind of brainstorming. I'm very upset about how people are treating me, what my media outlook looks like right now, and maybe we should just buy them all up. So this is uh, lascivious. This is juicy at the end of an article like this. Bobby Kotick has clearly evidenced himself as someone that's easy to characterize and to hate in very many outlets like this. I think pushing this a little further and suggesting that this was ever a real possibility by Activision, by Mr. Kotick or otherwise, is perhaps giving it too much credit. If I were the Wall Street Journal, I might not have even included it here, but certainly it made a lot of headlines, so I understand why they did. Which leaves us roughly where we started when we were looking at all of this, but with a question. How do you feel about what Microsoft did? Do you think all's fair in love and war and that Phil Spencer talking about these things, knowing that his company was in the midst of negotiating an acquisition of the very company he was talking about is entirely on the up and up. Do you think that there was a specific intent by Phil Spencer or Xbox to make sure that their statements kept this line right here all the way up to two weeks ago when he's giving long form interviews to the New York Times about what the future of Xbox and Microsoft looks like? Or Do you think there's a problem here? And do you think that the shareholders at Activision might well revolt for all the reasons that I've talked about in now these past two videos, looking at this deal and saying $95, sure, that's a 45% premium of our lowest price point in a long time, but we've got Call of Duty. We've got World of Warcraft. Our assets are worth a lot more than this, even if Bobby Kotick and the board are squandering them. We can change that. Why would we sell to you at this price at this point in time? What do you think? I'm very interested in your comments and be sure we're going to cover a lot more angles of this transaction now and in the future. If you enjoy these conversations about the business and law of, among other things, video games, pop culture, technology, and more, please consider supporting the channel at Patreon. We can't do it without support from viewers and listeners like you. Otherwise, just subscribing, telling your friends, sharing these videos around, tweeting them, putting them on Reddit, the forums that you find yourselves Every little bit helps to grow this channel and the conversations that we are having here. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.